This is CPX number 66, The Miracle of the Eucharist. We are in the Catechism of Pope St. Pius X, CPX, page 71 to 72, question and answer number 1 through 17. God give you his peace, and nomine patri sefidi et spiritu santi, amen. Heavenly King, Consoler Spirit, Spirit of Truth, who art present everywhere, and filling all things, treasure of all good and source of all life, come dwell in us, cleanse us and save us, you who are all good, amen. In nomine Patris Sufiti, Spiritus Santi, Amen. The Blessed Eucharist, page 70, number 1. What is the sacrament of the Eucharist? Answer, the Eucharist is the sacrament in which, by the marvelous conversion of the whole substance of bread into the body of Jesus Christ and that of wine into his precious blood, is contained truly, really, and substantially the body, the blood, the soul, and divinity of the same Lord Jesus Christ under the appearance of bread and wine as our spiritual food. Number two, in the Eucharist, is there the same Jesus Christ who is in heaven and who was born on earth of the Blessed Virgin? Answer, yes, in the Eucharist, there is truly the same Jesus Christ who is in heaven and who was born on earth of the Blessed Virgin. Number three, do you believe that in the Eucharist, Jesus Christ is really present? Answer, I believe that in the Eucharist, Jesus Christ is truly present because he himself has said it and Holy Church teaches it. Number four, what is the matter of the sacrament of the Eucharist? Answer, the matter of the sacrament of the Eucharist is that which was used by Jesus Christ himself, that is, wheat and bread and wine of the vine. Number five, what is the form of the sacrament of the Eucharist? The form of the sacrament of the Eucharist consists of the words used by Jesus Christ himself, this is my body, this is my blood. Number six, what is the host before consecration? Answer, the host before consecration is bread. Number seven, after consecration, what is the host? Answer, after consecration, the host is the true body of our Lord Jesus Christ under the species of bread. Number eight, what is in the chalice before consecration? Answer, in the chalice before consecration, there is wine with a few drops of water. Number nine, after consecration, what is in the chalice? Answer, after consecration, there is in the chalice the true blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the species of wine. Number ten, when does the change of the bread into the body and of the wine into the blood of Jesus take place? Answer, the change of the bread into the body and of the wine into the blood of Jesus Christ is made in the very moment in which the priest pronounces the words of consecration during Holy Mass. Number eleven, What is the consecration? Answer, the consecration is the renewal, by means of the priest, of the miracle wrought by Jesus Christ at the Last Supper, of changing bread and wine into his adorable body and blood by saying, This is my body, this is my blood. Number 12, what does the church call the miraculous change of bread and of wine into the body and blood of Jesus Christ? Answer, The church calls the miraculous change, which is daily wrought upon our altars, transubstantiation. Number 13. Who gave this great power to the words of consecration? Answer. Our Lord Jesus Christ himself, who is Almighty God, gave this great power to the words of consecration. Number 14. Is there nothing left of the bread and of the wine after consecration? Answer. After consecration, the species of the bread and of the wine alone are left. Number 15. What are the species of the bread and of the wine? Answer, 
The species of the bread and of the wine are the quantity and sensible qualities of the bread and of the wine, such as the form, the color, and the taste. Number 16. How can the species of the bread and of the wine remain without their substance? Answer. The species of the bread and of the wine remain without their substance in a wonderful way by the power of God Almighty. Number 17. Under the species of the bread is there only the body of Jesus Christ, and under the species of the wine only his blood? Answer. Both under the species of the bread and under the species of the wine, the living Jesus Christ is all present with his body, his blood, his soul, and his divinity. Thus are the words of the Holy Pope. So today I'm going to talk about Eucharistic miracles, but to understand the Eucharist, I want to give you a little bit of philosophy from Aristotle, who lived before Christ, but the Church, especially St. Thomas Aquinas, has used some terms that he has given us to explain our term transubstantiation. Now, before we get to the term transubstantiation, let's look at the term substance and accident. I know a lot of you know this, so hang tight if this is boring for you, because I don't think you'll find the Eucharistic miracles boring. But I do want to cover this for any beginners, any non-Catholics that are coming into the faith here. Now, one website defines substance and accident in this way. Substance is whatever exists in and of itself, whereas accidents are what modify substances. So, for example, let's say your mom has brown hair and it's starting to gray. And she goes off to the beauty salon and she gets her hair dyed either brown or white or in Spain there's a lot of women with purple hair. When your mom comes back with what used to be salt and pepper hair and now her hair is either dark black or brown or white or purple, is it still your mom even if she has purple hair? Yeah, it's still your mom even if she has purple hair. So the substance, the whatness, the essence of the thing has been the same Returning from the beauty salon, namely your mom, the substance is still your mom. The accidents, the accident just means the species, as Pope St. Pius X said right there, the species or the adjectives. Now your mom is purpley if she comes back, but she's still your mom. Uh, now transubstantiation, that means that when the priest takes the bread in his hands and says, this is my body, the substance, the whatness of that changes, but the adjectives like white, the host is white because it's made of pure bread, the whiteness and the breadiness of the smell stays the same. The adjectives stay the same, but the noun, the substance, the essence of that changes. This is what Aristotle and much later St. Thomas Aquinas called the substance. So again, when the priest takes the bread in his hands and says, this is my body, it literally becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, even though it looks, smells, and tastes like bread. So, in short, the substance changes and the accidents don't. Now, if you were listening closely to the words of Pope St. Pius X, every time I just said the word accident, he uses the word species. So you might have heard the word species tied to bread and species tied to wine a lot in there, but he's very clear. After the words of the consecration, there is no more bread or wine substantially left on the altar. It's only the body and blood of Jesus. When he says the species of the bread and the wine remain, what he means is it looks like bread, tastes like bread, smells like bread, but it is not bread. It is the Son of God on the altar. Um, so every time the Pope said species, he means accidents or taste or smell and look, but the actuality of the thing, the substance, is only the body of Christ. So one more time, when the priest says, this is my body, the substance changes into his body, but the accidents of the species do not change. Maybe we could say in some sense the substance is the noun of a thing again and the species 
or the accidents are the adjectives. So the noun changes, but the adjectives do not. So it still looks bready. I'm making up a word. Looks bready, smells bready, tastes bready, but it's literally the Son of God, Jesus Christ, in the priest's hands when he says, this is my body. And this is what 100% of every Christian before the year 1000 believed. I could say it all the way up to 1500, but I think it's probably stronger to our non-Catholic audience to just think of, just think of the first thousand years of Christianity you will not find one Christian you admire who believes that was symbolic. Even the evangelical Protestants listening to this will not be able to find me one Christian they admire in the first 500 years of Christianity. Maybe a heretic, but I don't even think heretics in the first 500 years doubted this. The evangelical Protestants listening right now in the 21st century, if you can find me one Christian in the first 500 years of Christianity that believed the Eucharist was symbolic and not literally the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, I will leave Catholicism. If you can prove that and reach out to me and prove that. Now, I just used some philosophical terms that non-Catholics might not know. Many people might even be distrustful of Aristotle. So let me just be clear. All of those philosophical terms where St. Thomas Aquinas took Aristotle and applied them to Scripture, if you just want the Scripture, if you don't want the philosophy because you're distrustful of philosophy, that's fine. Listen how clear our Lord was that what he gives us is not symbolic, literally his flesh. This is John chapter 6. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. That's John chapter 6, verses 53 to 56. So transubstantiation means the substance of the bread has changed to the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, but God chose not to change the accidents, meaning it still looks and tastes like bread, but it's literally not. And we'll see why in a minute. Not a trick or something so we can just, you know, randomly tell unbelievers that we see something and they don't. Um, there's a theology behind why our Lord changes the substance and not the accident. Now, it's still a miracle. Even when our Lord only changes the substance and not the accident, that's still a miracle. What we receive, this has been a debate, do we receive the crucified body of Jesus in the Eucharist or do we receive the risen body of Jesus in the Eucharist? We receive both because what we receive is the once crucified and risen body of Jesus. But because the resurrection comes after the crucifixion, it's slightly more accurate to say we receive the risen body of Jesus in the Eucharist, not the crucified body, even though it's both. So what is left on the altar when the priest takes bread and wine and says, this is my body, and later this is my blood? What, what is left on the altar? It's only the Son of God that's left. Now, here's an interesting question. Um, what would it be like if God changed both the substance and the accident? Clearly, the priest would lower in his hands what used to be bread, and now it would look like this bleeding piece of flesh. Um, and so we're going to hear in a minute that that does happen every decade or 100 years hate to use the term bonus because that sounds sacrilegious, but I can't say a double miracle because it's one single act. So I will use the term bonus, and I don't mean that in an impious fashion, but sometimes God does the bonus miracle of not just the substance changing, but the accident. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but first I want to answer why this doesn't happen every Mass. Why don't we see with our eyes this bread turn into the bleeding flesh of Jesus? Because you might be able to say, wouldn't everyone want to come to the Catholic Church if we could just see this miracle all the time? Um, there's a, probably a lot of reasons our Lord stays hidden under the species of the accidents of bread, even though it's not bread, 
it's the Son of God, it's, it's Jesus Christ at the words of the consecration. Why doesn't he come out and let us see this miracle at every time? Again, there's a lot of reasons, but I want to name four. The first reason is God wants our faith and our love. God wants the Catholics and the Russian Orthodox and Eastern Orthodox, since they have valid sacraments too, he wants us when we approach the altar to approach with faith and love, not curiosity. Now remember what St. Paul wrote in Hebrews chapter 11. What is faith? He says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So if we saw a Eucharistic miracle every Mass, we'd have assurance. And God wouldn't have our love. He'd, give, he'd be giving us his love, but would he have our love? The sacrifice it takes to maybe go to Mass, be made fun of by people. Oh, you think that little host, that little cracker is Jesus Christ? Yes, I really do. And in this approach, we actually have that very faith that St. Paul says. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, because we don't see that. Reason number two why I believe the substance changes and the accidents don't, again, I don't mean to sound impious or sacrilegious, but we would say, you. If every time we went up to the altar, imagine every little kid making his first communion at age eight, if he went up and got a bloody piece of flesh, he might say, you. Um, and, and so God remains hidden, perhaps for the sake of propriety. I've never heard a saint say that, so take that with a grain of salt. But I think that um, there's a... Uh, um, a connection to the fact the Mass is an unbloody sacrifice in the fact that we receive the risen body of Jesus and we don't um, have the visual of what we're actually receiving. Um, number three, if every Mass had the bonus Eucharistic miracle of the accidents changing, not just the substance, scientists would be lining up and taking the hosts back to their laboratories. We don't want that. Number four, there would be even more Eucharistic sacrileges. Imagine every mass you went to, every host turned into a bleeding piece of flesh, which we really believe it is, but we don't see that. Imagine we got to see that every time. You know who'd be lining up? All these satanic witches and wizards. And by the way, um, witches and wizards in the satanic churches, they can often tell a consecrated Catholic host versus a fake one from, say, a Methodist service. And how sad um, that they, they are so evil they have that spiritual sense. Would that we Catholics gain that same spiritual sense to know our Lord by intuition and love. Okay, so every Mass is in some sense a Eucharistic miracle, but God calls only those to him who love him out of faith more than curiosity, which is why the accidents don't change at Mass. There's a worthiness in here too. Listen to St. Paul. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone, listen up closely, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. That's 1 Corinthians 11 verses 27 to 30. Now, there's a debate right now between bishops about what this means. Is there even such thing as a worthy communion? Well, instead of siding with a modern bishop, why don't I just give you what a 19th century Eucharistic priestly saint said? His name's St. Peter Julian Amard, and he's known as the saint of the Eucharist. So how did he interpret 1 Corinthians 11 right there? He has even stronger words. He says, But I wish to emphasize this point. Have a clear conscience. Otherwise, for you, the bread of life will be a bread of death. This does not mean, he says, 
This does not mean that the Eucharist was meant to be your death, but only that even before receiving it, you were already dead, and you are so in a double sense after receiving it. End quote. That's page, page 11 of Holy Communion by St. Peter Julian Amart. So notice the connection dead to mortal. This is why we say mortal sin. First John 5 delineates between venial sin and mortal sin. Mortal sin includes um, destroying someone's reputation, missing Sunday Mass, all sins against the Sixth and Ninth Commandment, um, murder, all the ones that you would guess. Um, but there's some, there's some ones in there many people would not guess. So go look at my blog post, 15 mortal sins a lot of Catholics are missing. Anyway, notice that he said you were already dead before receiving the Eucharist. You were already dead before approaching the altar, but then it becomes even worse for you. As, as Paul said, this becomes your judgment and your condemnation. And so St. Peter Julian Amar just said, that literally the bread of life becomes the bread of death if you receive our Lord not with a clear conscience. And this is why it's so important we discern the state of our own soul and go to confession before receiving Holy Communion because if we don't, um, we are eating our own judgment and the bread of life becomes the bread of death. Word of a saint right there. So the double consecration, that of the bread to the body and the wine to the precious blood, that double consecration St. Gregory Nazianzen said, and I think the 5th century, the priest sunders with unbloody cut the body and blood of the Lord using his voice as a sword. So the violence of the sacrifice consists in the separation of the body and blood in the dual consecration, one of the body and one of the blood. So in that sense, there's two miracles. Um, but on this topic of substance and accident, I really only want to speak of that as one miracle, that the substance changes and the accident does not. However, when we have what I'm going to call a bonus miracle, the reason I'm not going to call that a dual miracle is because it's one act changing the substance and accident in a Eucharistic miracle, in a Eucharistic miracle, into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus with the accidents also looking like a bleeding piece of flesh. This is what we normally call a Eucharistic miracle, and that's what I want to talk about. Let's get it straight one more time. The substance changes every Mass occasionally, maybe one out of, I don't know, 50 million masses, we get a bonus miracle of the accidents changing too. Now, this should give you chills when you realize what that means, that we don't just get that invisible miracle every mass, but occasionally we get that visible miracle of what is happening at every mass in the eyes of the angels, but now we get to see it. And this is what's meant by Eucharistic miracle, that when the priest says, this is my body, the bread literally turns into a bleeding piece of flesh. I'm not exaggerating. I will put pictures up on the YouTube. The bread literally turns into bleeding flesh. And again, I don't know, this happens maybe every 10 years, every 100 years with millions of masses happening every day. So it's very, very, very rare. And what's also strange is it's usually given to priests who are doubting the Eucharist or doubting their priesthood. It's, I've never heard of it being given to a saintly priest. Maybe it has, but usually, at least the ones I've studied before the, the year 1900, I know, and there have been ones in the new Mass in the past 30 years. The first Eucharistic miracle that I ever read about or was told about was Lanciano in Italy. And I read about this in high school. I'm going to get a little bit later into how this caused my conversion. Now, if you're listening on a podcast, great. You're never going to miss any of the audio content I put up on YouTube. But if you haven't seen pictures of a Eucharistic miracle ever in your life, Make sure to remember the timestamp where you are here in your podcast and maybe come back to the YouTube right here later so you can see these pictures. I'm going to show these from therealpresence.org and some other websites. And I'm going to read you directly from therealpresence.org to tell you about Lanciano. That would also be the website to look at if you want to see some other Eucharistic miracles. But I'm just going to put up pictures of Lanciano and tell you about Lanciano again 
from the realpresence.org, which reads, Ancient Oxanum, this city of Frentanese, has contained for over 12 centuries the first and greatest Eucharistic miracle of the Catholic Church. This wondrous event took place in the 8th century AD in the little church of St. Lagoncian as a divine response to a Basilian monk's doubt about Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. During Holy Mass, after the twofold consecration, the host was changed into live flesh, and the wine was changed into live blood, which coagulated into five globules, irregular and differing in shape and size. The host flesh, as can be very distinctly observed today, has the same dimensions as the large host used today in the Latin church. It is light brown and appears rose-colored when lighted from the back. The blood is coagulated and has an earthy color resembling the yellow of ochre. Various ecclesiastical investigations were conducted since the year 1574. In 1970-71, and taken up again partly in 1981, there took place a scientific investigation by the most illustrious scientist, Professor Odiardo Linelli, eminent professor in Adam anatomy and pathophysiological histology, and in chemistry and clinical micro microscopy. He was assisted by Professor Ruggiero Bertelli of the University of Siena. The analyses were conducted with absolute and unquestionable scientific precision, and they were documented with a series of microscopic photographs. These analyses sustain the following conclusions. The flesh is real flesh. The blood is real blood. The flesh and the blood belong to the human species. The flesh consists of the muscular tissue of the heart. In the flesh, we see present in its section the myocardium, the endocardium, the vagus nerve, and also the left ventricle of the heart for the large thickness of the myocardium. The flesh is a heart, complete in its essential structure. The flesh and the blood have the same blood type AB, blood type identical to that which Professor Baima Bologna uncovered in the Holy Shroud of Turin. In the blood, there were found proteins in the same normal proportions percentage-wise as are found in the seroproteic makeup of the fresh normal blood. In the blood, there was also found these minerals, chlorides, phosphorus, magnesium, potassium, sodium, and calcium. The preservation of the flesh and of the blood, which were left in their natural state for 12 centuries and exposed to the action of atmospheric and biological agents, remains an extraordinary phenomenon. So what's being described right there is a priest in the 8th century was doubting the Eucharist, said at Mass, this is my body, and it turned into a bleeding piece of flesh, which 1,200 years later was studied and found to be literally heart muscle and blood. So my vocation story is actually tied to Lanciano. You can turn the CPX off if you had enough, but if you want to hear how this connects to my vocation story as a priest, you can keep listening. I wouldn't be a priest if it weren't for this miracle, I'm pretty sure. You see, in grade school and high school, I can't think of one time. I went to 10 years of Catholic grade school, and then I was halfway through a Jesuit high school, and I had heard the Eucharist was like the bread of the community and all this stuff, but I had never heard the Eucharist was the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Yep, after 12 or 14 years of Catholic school. So I was kind of a hippie in high school. Um, I had a Amnesty International t-shirt on. At one point, I braided up, my, braided up my hair, as I mentioned before, to try to make it into uh, um, like dreads. 
And I was writing letters for Amnesty. That's when they were anti-death penalty, but they weren't pro-abortion like they are now. I was always pro-life, even when I was far from God. I, I, I just made sense to me. You don't kill children. Uh, but I remember my best friend and I, we'd come back from a place in downtown Denver called Cafe Euphrates. Maybe I'd be writing letters for Amnesty International, whatever. Um, and then I would, uh, we'd go back to his place in Aurora, and his dad, who was a little Korean War vet, would come hobbling down the stairs with his oxygen tank, and he challenged me on these theological things. And he would ask me about my life, and I'd admit to sin, and he would say, you shouldn't go to the Eucharist with that. And I'd say, who are you to tell me what to do? Then, his name was Pip. Pip gave me a book called This Is My Body, This Is My Blood, Miracles of the Eucharist by Bob and Penny Lord. There's another good book that's similar to it called Eucharistic Miracles by John Carroll Cruz. But Pip, when I was about 16, came hobbling down the stairs in his, with his oxygen tank and gave me Bob and Penny Lord's book, This Is My Body and This Is My Blood, Miracles of the Eucharist. And I looked through it and I saw these miracles. One of the miracles in there is Lanciano. And I said, you mean this happens every Mass? And he said, yeah. And right then I understood, this is why I have to go to confession, because I'm in sin, and I'm receiving Holy Communion in sin. Now, let's talk a little bit about Lanciano's miracle that you can find in one of those, probably both of those books that I just mentioned. Remember I just mentioned that that Eucharistic miracle proved it was cardiac muscle. If you look at every Eucharistic miracle, what's amazing is... Every Eucharistic miracle I've ever studied, that piece of bread turns into heart tissue. This is called histology. Histology is the study of tissue. It turns into cardiac muscle. Um, what's interesting about the blood is it's always universal recipient, which is AB. Um, now, let's talk about the medicine real quick. When you go to Eucharistic adoration, whether the tabernacle is closed or open, and remember, it's just as, just as good to go to a church and adore our Lord with a closed tabernacle as our Lord being in the monstrance. When you go to a church, you are adoring, yes, the whole Christ, but literally the sacred heart of Jesus. And if people think that sounds too pious, again, go look at all the Eucharistic miracles. It is always cardiac muscle. Again, it's the full body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. But Jesus is telling us something that it's always myocardial tissue in these Eucharistic miracles. Um, now, I would have thought the blood type found in all these Eucharistic miracles would be O negative because that's the universal donor. Now, I don't know why... Christ's blood type is AB. It might just be that's what Mary's was. Um, maybe that's what many people in the Middle East had 2,000 years ago. There might be a simple explanation. Um, and remember, we just heard in CPX today, quote, that in the Eucharist there is truly the same Jesus Christ who is in heaven and who was born on earth of the Blessed Virgin, end quote, meaning Mary is truly the mother of the Eucharist. But back to this blood type, AB. Maybe there's another reason and I don't know, this is just my guess, maybe the reason why all these Eucharistic miracles have blood type AB is Jesus reminding us that he's present in the Eucharist not just to give his love, but to receive our love. Now, in the 70s, if you asked a Catholic, why do you go to Mass, they'd say for the community. Nowadays, Catholics say something a little bit better. They say, I got to go get my Jesus. Maybe a little bit better, but that's extremely shallow. <laughs> Actually shallow to the point of being sacrilegious. Almost sounds like a vitamin. Got to go get my Jesus. Catholics before the year 1900 never spoke like that. They went to Mass to lay their own sacrifices on the altar of sacrifice. They would go to Mass just as much to receive God's love as to give their own love to our Lord. They wanted to give their own sacrifices. But we are such a selfish culture that receives, 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 receives. We say, I go to Mass because I got to get my Jesus. Don't ever say that. It sounds stupid. 
Now, of course, it is true. There's a little truth. You know, every lie, there's a truth in it. There is truth. Christ can give us more love than we can give him. But perhaps he's the universal recipient in the blood and all these Eucharistic miracles to remind us God actually wants to receive our love too at Mass. He wants to receive our love on earth before we are totally overwhelmed by his love in heaven. Please, God, if we make it there. And please say an Our Father for me that I do. Et benedictio Dei omnipotentis. Patris et Firi et Spiritus Sancti, descendit super vos et maniat semper. Amen. <laughs>